Uh, I'm going to hit record in three, two, one. So get out your uh, inappropriate things. Just kidding. I already hit record. Go. Welcome to Foreign to Film. God, it's so slow. Bah, 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 bah. Okay, welcome back. This is the greatest podcast in the universe. I'm your host, Wyatt Hensel. I'm being joined today by Al Zerpapita. What's up? <laughs> Cole Floatman. Yo, yo, yo. Tori is absent, and so we have a little filler. His name is Will Griffin. Oh, it's an honor. It's all boys today, folks. Which is ironic because this is our first female-directed film. Today we're talking about Honeyland, the North Macedonian film directed by Tamara Kotevska and Lubomir Stevanov. came out last year. And although it is North Macedonian, it is primarily Turkish, like spoken, like it's a documentary film. Yeah. It was nominated for both Best Documentary last year and Best Foreign Film, winning neither. Uh, <laughs> you can find it on so, Hulu. Uh, you can find it on Hulu. As of May 6th, 2020. We're reporting live from the quarantine. Yeah. All right. All right, gentlemen. Uh, what did we think of this film? Oh, actually, Will, Will, oh wait, sorry, that? sorry. We, we, should give the, we should give the synopses. Yeah, okay. Will, do you want to give a blurb? I, yeah. In a land referred to as Macedonia, there lives a woman and her elderly mother. They live, they are the last uh, remaining people in this conclave village of like golden uh, tribal stone buildings. It's really, it's kind of eerie, but she makes her living through being one of the last like completely natural uh, beekeepers. And she goes day to day doing all these chores checking up on the bees and just living this completely baffling lifestyle. Um, she goes to the markets, sells this honey, brings back the money, and then just lives until one day a nomadic family unit comes into the town, brings innumerable amounts of cattle and um, loud children, and the whole kind of world is just, her whole world is turned upside down. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice little blurb. Cole, do you want to give a quick blurb? Oh, heck I do. Okay, bees. Mom. <laughs> bees dead. Mom dead. <laughs> Great. Yeah. yeah that's All right. Very sad. Oh, this is a documentary. Did we mention that? It yeah. is. Yeah. It's, it's oddly narrative. It's you don't feel a lot of documentarial elements to it. The something that I found after I watched it, I read the Wikipedia page about it, and it said somewhere in there that the filmmakers wanted to make it so you could watch it without knowing it, what they were saying. They wanted it to be kind of narrative and like very visual, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, if I'd recommend somebody try that out. I wish I had tried it out and not looked at the subtitles, although the subtitles are embedded into the film on the Hulu version, at least. Uh, I really liked the film, although it made me very sad. And 
it was so weird as a documentary experience to not have like narration or a lot of times they wouldn't translate what Haditha, uh, who was the main woman, was saying. Um, and that killed me. And I just like, I just want to know what she's saying. I, that didn't, I didn't mind that because to me, it was like, I could tell what she was saying through her body language and like her tone. Like I didn't really need to know the individual words personally. I think sometimes it's done for comedic effect. Um, like there's a there's a point, uh, like a lot of the times with the family that moves in, there'll be a scene where one of the kids like fucks something up or like hits another kid. And then you just get to see this play out in a language you don't understand, but in behaviors and sort of social context that you do understand. And I think just watching like kids get laid out, but like incidentally in Turkish is hilarious. <laughs> Why? what do you think? I think it's fine. I think the film is fine. I wanted to like it a lot more than I think I actually did. That's how I feel. <laughs> I think it's very impressive. I think it's a really gorgeous film. Like, they go to this, this kind of Bronze Age landscape that's apparently only, like, 20 kilometers from the capital, like, this modern city in Macedonia. But it feels like a world apart kind of thing. And they filmed it over the course of three years, apparently. And, like, they don't speak Turkish like the filmmakers, so they would record every day and then have to go back and translate it after they had shot all the footage. And, like, it has all these wonderful environmental themes. Um, but I don't think I really connected to it in a meaningful way, if that makes sense. I I also agree. I feel like maybe I I also wanted to connect to it more, but the problem is that once I figured out where it was going, where it was basically just like consumerism is bad, uh, <laughs> I just went, okay, the Lorax. And then I just sort of... <laughs> the, but, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like the the narrative was very interesting and like like obviously like it's not fictional so like they couldn't put things in the story that were not there but it, it like in terms of story it was not very complex so it, it was hard for me to sort of grab on to anything you know what i mean no i get that uh one of the things was uh just how much it struck me how the filmmakers were I whatever when later I was looking it up, I found a um a Lincoln Center interview with them, uh the filmmakers, and it was really interesting. Uh, but how much they were just talking about how much they completely stumbled upon this entire story. Like they weren't intending to make this movie, but they met Haditza uh and her beekeeping thing and thought it was really cool. And then later the neighbors like showed up. So like <laughs> they really completely stumbled upon this whole story as they were filming it. Which, you know, I feel like if, it had, if the neighbors hadn't shown up, it would have been a completely different movie and there would have been narration and, like, discussion more explicitly about environmental issues. But, like, because of the nature of how this happened, it didn't really need explanation of just, like, oh, they are over-consuming. <laughs> it's not subtle. No. It's not very subtle. Did you guys think that the film made the family that like the nomadic family out to be like the, the villains or did you feel like it handled it handled them with kind of a fair hand 
that's that's interesting because um i i watched this movie simultaneously both as this very kind of introspective documentary on environmental issues and also as like a martin scorsese movie about like the falls of hubris and like especially with that dad like every time hat guy will go over to the dad and be like hey you gotta give me more honey and then the the dad's like fuck i guess i gotta i gotta take all the the racks out i gotta get all the honey i get gotta get more honey and accuse like a montage of the dad getting honey and yelling at his son and then it fucks everything up it's and it just keeps going it's easy to see the family as sort of villainous but if you take a moment and think well what would you do you can't do that anymore it's they're very human and they're doing what they have to do i think it's specifically the father because like the kid i i I really feel for the kid i mean the kids are getting smacked around quite a bit (laughs) there's so many (laughs) <laughs> like seven and it's it's not the kid like the kids should not be in an environment where they're getting stung by bees all the time like, <laughs> like, this is a baby it's you know a what I nightmare mean? oh when that baby cries it's so uh, sad yeah and it's it's difficult because i think it, like i immediately go well this is the parents fault because they shouldn't have all these children but then it's like well they have the children. What are they going to do now? They have to somehow make money to feed them. And, but then it seems like they also are having more children to then help with the workload. And it's like, they're just stuck in this cycle. And it feels like the father in particular feels like very stuck. And he is the supposed to be the father, the provider. You know what I mean? Like the mother you know, like a family head, but not in the same, I don't feel like she has the same sort of pressure that the father does. I felt very, I felt bad for Hussein in a lot of ways. Um, Hussein's the father. By Hussein's the, the father. Uh, just every time the guy with the hat came around, it very yeah, much- That guy. Like Hussein <laughs> that was, my favorite character. I, <laughs> Hussein just very much felt like a victim of like market forces uh i read a lot of comments and of reviews afterward and everyone was really hating on hussein but like the amount of times he argued with the hat guy and said no we can't take any more honey there's no more honey and the hat guy would just be like have you checked (laughs) and it was like i just see myself in that exact same situation and i definitely would have caved i'm i'm not confrontational i don't know um but I don't think the family really thought that the movie was anti them either. And I'm not sure that the movie itself was part of, in part of this interview with the filmmakers. Uh, they said that when they showed the film to Hussein, that his first comment was, you made my truck look so new. <laughs> <laughs> Which I absolutely loved. I think, I think maybe he seems like a villainous because in contrast with, Oh no, I don't remember her name. Haditza. Our, yeah, our protagonist. Had, what is it again? Haditza. Haditza, like she uh, has like a very deep love for her mom. Like she is like taking care of her. And some, like they sort of snap at each other every now and then, but you can tell that they have a very loving daughter mother relationship. And so I think, in contrast, the other family isn't 
doing that as much, or at least we don't get to see that. So it's, it's much easier to judge them. You know what I mean? I think one of my kind of problems with what the film does is it kind of condemns this like overusing mentality, you know, that like a lot of modern society is guilty of, but it doesn't really present like an all, a plausible alternative for the, for Hussein's family, like how to raise all those kids, like how to provide for them, if that makes sense, other than to exploit the resources, in this case, honey. I, cause I don't think there is one, like, I don't want to start getting socialist here, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think there's any real solution like that he can individually do. Like the only way he can really help himself is just dig a bigger hole for himself. You know what I mean? Is just make his children do more work and they'll hate him more and then they'll probably leave. Like, so, you know? I also got the impression that this was not the first time that like this had happened to Haditza where like, cause she mentioned before that like other people would come in and uh, kill all of her bees with their like exploitation. So like, this wasn't like a, a singular instance. Um, I think this is a very common issue. At, I mean, for beekeepers, like in a lot of places, and it's very hard to like, especially when with something like beekeeping is very complicated. And it's weird that like, if you take more honey than from your own bees that like, you're gonna kill other people's bees. Like that's a lot. Should we talk about um, Haditza just as a character? Yeah, yeah. I love her. <laughs> she's great. She's perfect. She's everything and more. She's very charismatic. She likes to sing. She does like to sing. She has that like myriad of cats that just kind of live in and around her house. And that's fun to watch. Yeah. There was that one second where there was like a cattle that just like got into basically like her backyard <laughs> and she had to like shoo it away <laughs> as if it was a stray cat. That made me very happy. She's just I, reaching into these into these beehives with her bare hands, and I I think that is possibly the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I yeah. like that they don't make her out to be kind of like some kind of mythical individual. Like they give her like human kind of hubris and stuff, and like oh she you know has vanity, like she dyes her hair, you know. When she has a little money, she like goes to the market and like dyes her hair and stuff. And I, I like that. I think it's a nice little like humanizing thing. The one thing that I think, the one thing I'm conflicted about in the movie, and this is just because it's a documentary um, and the nature of filmmaking in general uh, and like filming people, but like the movie made her seem so, so, so alone. And like, I get that she was because she was one of the only people in her village, but like, <laughs> but it's weird because the filmmakers, were literally there for like over a hundred days and like sleeping outside her house, like four of them. Uh, but I guess they didn't talk to her. So it's weird, but also like, she also has family outside, like in the neighboring area. Like she has brothers and like their families outside and she has friends and stuff. Um, I think uh, in the interview that I watched, they said that they raised money and bought her like a place like closer to her family. Uh, which yeah. is really cool. But the movie just made her seem so alone. and It made me so sad. <laughs> I disagree. I don't think she is alone. I, I felt like her mother was much more alone. Like there were parts where her mother was like, 
you know, like, you could just leave me and get a husband. Like, you just let me die here, essentially. And, and like, I, I felt very much for the mother. Like, I felt like at least, um, oh, God, I already forgot her name again. Hadithina? Oh, God, I'm so sorry. She, because she's a woman, like, like her only way she was going to really get out of that situation is that if she married a man. And so I think like by being with her mother it, it and sort of taking care of her there was like a like this duality of like almost independence but not really like I don't know I, I thought that that was also important that they they talked about that how like I don't know the husband thing yeah well it's also expected that she was the one who had to stay like she has brothers yeah. and they were allowed to go and like established lives for themselves but as like the only surviving daughter she was expected to stay with her mom and like obviously she couldn't really leave in the sense that like her mom would have died you know so there wasn't really freedom for her to go um but that's just kind of part of the cultural norms in that area and it's not great for Haditha specifically but marrying a man because it's expected of you is also not a freedom in itself. You know what I mean? Right. But she could have, you know, beekeeped in another area. That's true. <laughs> How did you guys feel about the showing of the aftermath of the mother's death and like us following Hadita in the dark after her mom had just passed? It just, it felt very... I don't know why, but because it was at like the towards the very end of the film, it almost seemed like we were waiting for it. Like we were just waiting for the mom's death. And then when it happened, it was just like, it didn't take that much screen time. Like it happened and then she just was doing the coyote fire thing, which we don't even know if that was in the same time period because it was over the course of three years. I don't know, it felt very much like they were like, oh, we should show this. But it didn't really seem to take a huge part. Like, it didn't come to the foreground. And honestly, as a viewer, it just felt like, okay, we're waiting for the mom to die. And then she did. <laughs> I felt like it was incredibly intrusive. Like, I didn't want, like, I wouldn't want to be filmed while I'm, while, like, while I'm crying over my mother's death. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wanted to just turn away because I wanted to give her that privacy is how I felt. I think I felt similarly to Al. I kind of felt like it was, I don't know, maybe a bit manipulative of the audience's emotions at the expense of Hadita and her mother's privacy. Also, we see like her mom's corpse just kind of there. Yeah, I Which don't is like that. <laughs> interesting, yeah. Yeah, I... It's, I think that whole part is kind of symptomatic of the <clears throat> kind of narrative format of the movie itself that because it's, the, it's a documentary, it's based on real stuff. It, it is filming real stuff, but there's no real like, like rapport between the documentarians and Haditha. You kind of have to tell this story through that you can't just be like interview Haditha be like yeah 
my mom's dead. But then on the other end of that, like, yeah, it is, it's very, it's, it, it's intrusive in a moment where you're at your most vulnerable. So it's very uncomfortable because it's, you're like, yeah, I'm watching this. I'm watching a story. No, wait, no, I'm not watching a story. This is a real person. Something which I'm I'm really glad that when I read the Wikipedia page, it said that the the filmmakers like some of the money that they made, they gave it back to her to uh, like buy her a house. Uh, like because sometimes that happens to me when I watch documentaries and you see like human pain, I then start to question like is this exploitation? And like where like I guess as an artist, do you sort of like draw the line? And it reminded me of like very different documentary that I watched called um, Here Kids, which was about uh, homeless, black, uh, queer, but specifically like trans people. And like one of the things that like the filmmaker said was that like he had to, he like filmed a lot of like human pain that these people were going through, but he always sort of like asked for permission and in return the trans woman she approved it by being like, well, if we're doing this documentary, then you're paying for my food. You are paying for like, uh, you are paying for my food and you're paying for my transportation. And like, you're going to essentially be my friend and you're going to basically take care of me because you are also filming me. And so I think that's also interesting. Like, I, I don't know. I, I like to know that the people we film in documentaries are also being taken care of. If that makes sense. You can go to honeyland.earth right now and buy some of Hadith's honey for $30. And it says some of the proceeds will go directly to her. That's a lot more than the 10 euros that she was getting on average. That's true. That's true. I'm sure <laughs> some of that goes to shipping. <laughs> also, uh, apparently, Hussein has an eighth kid now. Has a what? He has an eighth child. Oh, yes. Right, right after the uh, documentary. I will say, as a sum up for this whole movie, uh, if you are looking for a uh, good documentary on uh, beekeeping practices and uh, how to raise bees, this is not that movie. <laughs> it's not a documentary. It's not really that much about bees. Um, you're not going to learn too much about honey making. Or, this uh, film dedicates like two minutes to like filming a little boy throwing rocks at a cow. <laughs> That's <laughs> a pretty good. Love it. It's a pretty good sequence, though. Also, the oil wrestling. I was very happy. <laughs> I was. I wanted to see more of that kind of stuff. Me too. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Turkish <laughs> oil wrestling is notorious for. <laughs> being a sport that seems really gay like just because it's like a bunch of these shirtless dudes covered just like doused in olive oil wrestling each other and then <laughs> the goal of the match is to like put your hand in the other dude's pants like <laughs> so it's very happy to see it <laughs> it's <the> perfect score <laughs> uh one thing that i wanted to it was like a like a real throwaway moment, um, but I thought it just kind of highlighted. Oh right, we're in the Balkans. When the neighbors first come in, uh, Hadita looks out the window, and like turns to her mother and says, "They're Turkish." <laughs> it, was, it was very much a, oh yeah, 
this is this is a very uh, sectarian region. I don't know if she spoke Macedonian, so yeah. I guess no. I guess they. She probably didn't. Hadita didn't, because the filmmakers couldn't talk to her. So, all right. Do we? Does anyone have any kind of final thoughts? I guess. I just thought it was like a very beautiful film, rather than a film that has a lot of commentary. But I think that there's still a place in the world for that. I, I'm I'm glad it exists. That's fair. Should we go around and give our rankings? How yeah. many out bees of, out of six? Six bees? Yeah. Um, okay, I'll start because I, I like to do that. I'd say that I give it 3.8 out of six bees. I thought it was a good movie. It didn't, I didn't, I didn't really connect with it that much. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. So like a three bees in a thorax kind of thing? Three bees in a thorax. <laughs> And a Lorax. Okay. Al? Yeah, I'm going to give it three Bs out of six. A very middle of the road for me. Will? I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. It, there, there's something missing that I think should be there. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I, I did enjoy watching this. Um, I really was into like the weird honey equivalent of uncut gems that Hussein was into through this whole movie. I, I just was fascinated by that. And uh, Hadid says, just the love of my life. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it, that, that kid throwing rocks at a cow is for whatever reason, hilarious to me. So I gotta give it like, Four and a half bees out of six. Mm. All the amount of bees. Yeah, one dead one. Mm. Sad. <laughs> it's a, a really small bee killed by a murder wasp. <laughs> okay, for murder hornet, hornet it's like the murder hornet is like the greatest name for like an eco-friendly metal band. Like I love it. <laughs> I keep thinking. All right, go on. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> What? I'm gonna. I'll give. I'll, this is a three B movie. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there was one thing I wanted to touch on before we leave. Uh, I I really did like the relationship between uh, Haditza and the one kid, whatever his name is. The little oh. one. Yeah. I can't remember what his name was, but it it was very nice because he was so scared of the bees, but he wasn't scared when she was doing the bees because she was con- competent at. If you subscribe to our Patreon, then we will rank all of the Hussein children. Dead last last is that is the oldest one that doesn't do anything. Yeah, the the the, like teenage boy that just sort of like stands there and is like the one that you know kind of smells probably. Honestly, yeah, like definitely. all of them or two of them left over the course of the movie because like yeah. <laughs> never. He's wearing like he's wearing like off-brand Adidas, but Hussein is wearing full-ass Adidas. <laughs> I just love the small child that is always eating food whenever we cut to her. Yes, <laughs> she is a treasure. She's like four years old. Like, what were you doing at four years old? You were probably eating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for listening to. Oh, did you have? 
Oh, I was going to say, uh, I'm going to post the uh, link to that uh, interview in the show notes. Um, also, next week, uh, if you want to follow along and watch the movies before we talk about them, we're going to watch Shadow, which is a film on Netflix that you can find on Netflix. It's a 2019 <laughs> Chinese language film out from China. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, goodbye. It's no, wonderful no, being. Bye, bye, wait. Okay, bye, bees. <laughs> <laughs>